0: I was driving yesterday when my phone sent me a message. It said, you know how important daily Bible reading is. Would you like to do some reading? Well, it's the first time it ever sent me that message. I was by myself in the car and I was making a trip of about 200 miles. And uh, so I touched where it said to touch, and up pops this Bible program that my son had installed on my phone. And I touched it again, and here is a man reading to me over my telephone. And he read to me for miles and miles, the whole of First John, more than once, over and over again in a english accent <laughs> all right this book of 5 chapters definitely has the theme of love in it the word love itself is used 33 times in the book john is the beloved disciple so it is the most intense treatment on love in the Scripture. It has a parallel theme of believing in Jesus as the incarnate Son of God and confessing Him as Lord. And the believing and the loving are intertwined throughout the epistle. They say that John is addressing two heresies in the early church. And I can see it in the book. One is the way they're thinking about God. The heresy some called Gnosticism. Thinking that material things are corrupt, intrinsically evil. And that knowledge is supreme. This was a heresy in the early church. the supremacy of knowledge and the intrinsic impurity of matter. So people who believed that material stuff was, was evil, they just didn't believe God would become man. He just would never become flesh. And the idea that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, they, do, they couldn't process that, so they, they denied the Incarnation. But they had another heresy that went along with it, and it was, it was ethical. It was moral. They believed that because spirit was everything and matter was nothing, it didn't matter how you lived. Do anything you want to with this body. So John writes, to help people understand fundamentally That the Son of God became man, real man, in Jesus of Nazareth. And it takes more than knowing something to follow him, it's a kind of life you live, it's a life of love. You know, the son of one of the founders of Hamas became a Christian several years ago. A tourist gave him the Bible. And he was reading the words of Jesus. And he read something he'd never seen before in print. Not in the Koran or any other experience in his life. He read where Jesus says, Love your enemies. And he said he was hooked right then. Because it was the only possible solution for a planet at war and people at war the love of enemies won his heart. When I talk about love to you this summer, I'm not talking about a sentimental kind of thing, feeling affectionate, feeling attractive, feeling attracted to somebody. I'm talking about the love that lays down its life. John begins it in 1 John 1.1 in an interesting way, and I'll read this first chapter. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, the life of Appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy Complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. An interesting beginning to the letter, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked at and our hands have touched concerning the word of life. John the Apostle calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. I think in order to understand this first letter and the way John gets into it, we need to go back to Jesus' description of the second command, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And I've told you before that I think the story of the Good Samaritan is an autobiography. That when you get to the end, you wonder who loves like this. Jesus loves like this. And John was in his young life feeling the ravages of sin. I think John was experiencing the loneliness and separation from God, that he was struggling when Jesus found him, and that Jesus loved him. He was the man in his own mind and heart who was beat up, wounded, naked, and laying on the side of the road. And Jesus came by. Took him in his arms, cared for his wounds and loved him and took him from that place by the side of the road to another place of security and peace. To see Jesus holding John is not a strange picture. The scripture says, John records that he leaned on the chest of the Savior at the Last Supper. He was right there beside Jesus. When John talks about love, he's talking about Jesus' love for him. And it is up close and personal and intimate and tactile. It is real. You can touch it. You can see it. You can hear it. And he experienced it for three and a half years. It changed his life forever. This is love. What Jesus does for us. You don't really know the love of God until you confess you are the man in the ditch. Beat up, wounded, no way to fix yourself. Until you allow the love of Christ to rescue you. It's hard to understand what John is talking about as he begins this chapter. John's talking about love from the beginning of the book. It's embedded in the word fellowship in this first chapter, koinonia, that which we share together with one another in the church of Jesus Christ. And share together with, with the God who loves us. God sparks this koinonia, which is a characteristic and quality of His church. How we share life together and walk together. And live as brothers and sisters in communion, one with another. The table emphasizes this. We gather around this table as a family in the church of Jesus Christ. And love is manifest in the fellowship. So from the very beginning of the book, John's talking about love. And he's talking about love in a very personal way. When I mentioned I was going to talk about John's first letter, tall John Palmer, the youth pastor who is today in Botswana, with uh, six of our young people he says wow that gets really personal and it does John would say to you say don't tell me so much about what you know tell me how you live in your life how the love of Christ has changed what you do every day your relationships to people let me see it in who you are in your community is it true in you that the work of love is unfolding? Is it taking place in you? Does your neighbor know you love him? Does your neighbor know you love him? The love that you have in your heart, planted by the Savior, the love that He's demonstrated toward you, is the most powerful evangelistic tool that you have in your arsenal to love individually personally the person next door it is powerful indeed and to speak this truth about Jesus and not have love you just sound like clanging cymbals brother You speak the gospel and don't have love, you're just a 55-gallon drum making noise. Without love, it all adds up to zero. John has experienced love up close and personal. And what he says in this letter, it's the love of God made flesh. In Jesus of Nazareth. It's God's love that I heard, saw, and felt. I don't think the people of John's day intentionally took love out of the gospel or out of their lives. It wasn't love taken out or love intentionally removed. It was just love left out. They had other things to do. Other things to say, other stuff to focus on in their teaching, in their lives, in their living. They were busy people. They had a different focus. It wasn't like they ripped love out of the gospel or out of the Christian life. They just left it out. They never got to it. There are other things more interesting, more challenging, more intriguing to them than the earthy, practical, mundane matter of love others like Jesus loved them. No, it wasn't that they took love out. It was they left it out. Not so much a sin of commission as a sin of neglect. A sin of omission. Say, better watch those sins of omission. All right? They'll get you every time. You think you're doing all right. But because you haven't committed some scandalous sin. And when sin springs to your mind, you think about the scandal and the things that people do that are wrong. It's the sins of omission that are the most poisonous. So have you got too busy to love? Would it be true about you that people who know you would say, that man loves people? Would that be a testimony they would give of you? The people who know you, your neighbors, your co workers, your family members, would love come to mind as they think about you? Or have you got bigger fish to fry in your life? There are people who suppose that when the preacher talks about love, he's talking about a weak, limp kind of way to live your life, that there's no power in it. It's for women and children but I submit to you that love is the most powerful thing you will ever do that love changes you from the inside out and it changes the people around you and it changes your world and love is a thing we got to put back in our lives if we're ever gonna get it right it must be intentional purposeful daily lived out in us love needs to be restored Paul uh, John says in this first in this first chapter if we say that we know him but we walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth if we're not walking in light if we're not walking in love we really don't know him but he says if we walk in the light as he is in the light if we walk in love as he is love then we have fellowship one with another And John's effort is to restore love in the middle of the heart and mind of the believer to help you get a hold of it again. To make love first, primary, and the focus of your heart. Love restored. That's what he's up to. After the nine shootings we had this week the mayor's office called and the mayor asked a few of the clergymen to come and meet with him he was discouraged I think about the condition of things on the streets of New Orleans and it was heartbreaking the five-year-old who died in that hail of bullets what's going to change things people we're the church of Jesus Christ what's going to change things in 1979 I was a reporter here when for the first time this city had 300 murders in a year Since 1979, we have led the nation most years in murder rates here in the city of New Orleans. People die on our streets. A 33-year-old woman was two blocks away in her car after a celebration with her family when one of these bullets hit her in the face and killed her. the people they arrested for this shooting are 13 and 15 years old. Have you got an idea what to do? Do you know what to do? I've been looking at it for 33 years. Years is the church of Jesus Christ impotent in this city are we so powerless we cannot change what happens here you say well it's not my responsibility I hope you feel the shame of the homicide rate in the city of New Orleans as a resident of this city. I hope you experience the pain and grief and the sorrow of a five-year-old dying at a birthday party and a young woman dying in her car going about her business. We are supposed to feel that. We are laced into this city as salt and light. Is this not true? Did Jesus not plant us here to be salt and light? To be his hands and feet? To incarnate the truth of the gospel in the community where we live? So what's the answer? What do we do? I remember the level of frustration was building in my own heart seven years ago when a boy named Javon was pictured in the newspaper his name was Javon Hill he was seven years old he's holding a picture of his father Ivory who was murdered August 22nd, 2005. And right after this happened, I preached at the seminary, and I showed this picture. And I said, somebody needs to love Javon. I think it's the only thing that can change his life. And seven days after Ivory Hill died, Katrina hit the city and the Javons of our city and all of us were scattered all over the country. We were in little towns in Arkansas and Mississippi and Alabama and Oklahoma and we experienced it in Minden, And many of you experienced it in the places where you went. The church of Jesus Christ receiving us, loving us, caring for us in our evacuation, in our sorrow and our loss. And I thought at that time that God was giving us an opportunity to love one another as he has loved us and an opportunity for the population of New Orleans to experience the love of God's people all over the country. And we did. And we experienced it not only in our evacuation, but we experienced it also in the cleanup. The people from Arkansas came and came and came and came and loved on us as many did. Somebody said, what are we supposed to do? I really, really think that God intends for us to leave the gathering of worship and go to the need in the world. He intends for us to worship not just in this moment on Sunday morning, but 24-7 in the world that needs loved on. Where only love will make a difference, where only love will bring true transformation. The love of God poured through you to the person who needs you. And we are bound too often by fear as the major impulse of our life when we look at our world. And self-preservation is the main thing we're trying to do and the accumulation of material possessions. We are enslaved by so many things that keep us unable to respond to the need that is so evident. I believe God intended with Katrina that part of our response should be to get washed out of the pews and into the streets. And brothers and sisters, the only thing that counts, as Paul said in Galatians 5-6, is faith expressing itself through what? Love. Faith expressing itself through love. You cannot love in isolation. You can't love with protected barriers all around you. You cannot love this world locked up somewhere in a personal prison. You must be able to reach out your hands, to take your body to the person in need. If somebody were to ask me, where is Jesus in this city? I would say to you, his tracks disappear into the hurt and pain of this city. That's where he's gone and his tracks aren't coming out. That's where he is. If you want to find Jesus in New Orleans, then you will find him bending over the wounded, the weary, the beaten and the downcast, pouring in the oil, caring for them in their need, waiting For me and you to hear the call of love in our lives and know that walking in light means we walk in love, and love is hard duty. It is daily. It is making the decision every day I will not live unto myself. I will not let my life collapse upon itself. Not because of grief, not because of pain, not because of sorrow, not because of loss. I am not going to live my life just for myself and unto myself. I'm going to give myself in a world that's hurting and needs loved. As Christ laid down his life for me, so I will lay down my life for others. No, it's not comfortable. No, it's not normal. No, it's not maybe the American dream that some people think about. But it is what Jesus did. And this is love. And this is his call. This is his intention. And this alone will change New Orleans and change the world. I believe we can put our finger on it right now. It is love we need a higher level, greater intensity, more demonstration of it every day by more people individually and collectively in this city. Loving one another as Christ has loved us on purpose everywhere, every place, seeing it as our moral and spiritual and Christian duty and responsibility to be engaged in changing things, in calling people to the love of God and showing it in our lives. I worry about us. John the Apostle wrote because they were fake Christians in his day. They weren't the real thing. I worry about us. Are we the real thing? Are we authentic followers of Jesus in our world? Did you ever ask yourself this question? What does my life look like through the eyes of Christ? What does my church look like through the eyes of Christ? Am I a genuine follower of the crucified Lord? Isaac was old and blind, and he could not depend on his eyes. He wanted to give the blessing to Esau. But the voice sounded like Jacob. Yeah, it's me. I'm your son Esau. The voice sounded like Jacob. But Jacob knew that his words would betray him so he put the wool of the goats on his hands and he threw on the clothes of his brother Esau and when Isaac got ready to authenticate the identity of his son he pulled him close and he smelled his clothes and his son had the fragrance of the field and he felt his hands they were the hairy hands that he expected of Esau and he gave Jacob the blessing he let the feel of his hands override the sound Of his voice. What if one day. You stand before the Lord. And the badge of your authenticity. Is not what you say. Lord, Lord. It's not how he authenticates you. What if God in heaven authenticates you by your hands? What if he checks your hands when you get to heaven to see if you're real, if you're genuine, if you truly followed the Savior? Would your hands be calloused with a thousand deeds of love? Would they be strong with the work that you have done? Would you smell of the field that you'd been out there doing the Father's work In the world where he sent you to do, what if he authenticates you with your hands? John says, let's not love merely in word and tongue. Let's love in deed and in truth bow with me please heavenly father we hear the call to love and lord we confess sometimes we despair we are so far from the standard you have set for us the picture you have given us of love our lives don't look like that so God today we cast ourselves on grace on your mercy you know who we are You know we have feet of clay. We pray, God, that you would show us what love means in our personal, individual setting. Show us our neighbor. Show us our enemy. Show us the brother sister who needs us and show us how to love them show us how to love this city with the love of God show us how to reach out to people who have never known real love Give us a heart for it, a passion for it. Holy Spirit of God, burn it into us. Let love be our banner, the quality that defines our life, and deploy us into the world with this is our call in the name of Jesus who loved us beyond measure